What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart, and we have a jam-packed show for you guys today. A lot of stuff happening in the world of uh, Marvel and DC television and film. A lot of news happening. Of course, we had a major trailer with the Avengers Endgame trailer drop this uh, earlier this week. Some major news coming out of uh, Disney in regards to the status of Guardians of the Galaxy. And on the DC side, some uh, moves happening with the Flash movie that are really intriguing to me as well. We had uh, this week in terms of our TV recaps, we're doing Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow. Uh, particularly Supergirl and The Flash, I thought had pretty big episodes this week. So we're excited to talk about those. We had the introduction of Lex Luthor and Supergirl. So that's something that's going to be really fascinating to talk about. A lot of stuff happening. Should be a great show. Kendall. Uh, cannot be here this week. He will not be on today's show. He'll be back next week. But I am here with my co-host Shamari Stewart. Um, Shamari, what'd you make of the? the you know, it's not a topic on our show, but uh, Captain Marvel second week, uh, seven hundred million dollars plus on its way uh, to a billion dollar, uh, a billion dollar net. What do you make of 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 just the reception that movie's had and the money it's made in these uh, first two weeks? Um, well, I think it is a, it, a reflection of, first of all, just the quality of the movie. I think it's a reflection of the quality of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole, especially, um, as well. Uh, and I think, I think it, it goes to show that, um, you know, what people are saying online may not necessarily be the case, just generally speaking, with regards to how people feel about a movie. Um, you know, people online, and I'm speaking just with regards to, you know, the Rotten Tomato bombing yeah, and, you know, IMDb, all these other places where you can review movies, um, where people are just destroying the movie. Um, and look, I mean, people are going to see the movie, you know, uh, and, and that's, that can't all be, um, you know, because of the MCU. Or it can't all oh, be. Yeah, well, these trolls have had of, all the. They've had all of the uh, excuses for why. Some people saying that it's a hoax that these numbers are how they are. All right, well, they yeah, were like I mean, one, on. one guy was like, "Oh, I, I went to Captain Marvel's empty theater. Where, 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 what are all these numbers coming from?" Because like, I don't, I don't see any lines. People <laughs> want to see Captain Marvel. I, I don't understand that. I mean, that's that's the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. <laughs> Honestly, like that, it's getting to that point where it's like we just don't even believe the numbers that people are saying. It's like, why? It's not even that big of a deal to be lying about it. Like, yeah. who cares if if the movie did bad? Just say it did bad. It's not. It's not something that that you know people the people think Disney just yeah. so like in control. Yeah, of the all, all the movies in the history of movies that numbers been accurate, but for some reason for this movie, this movie now all of a sudden they're gonna find a way to Disney's just and like, nobody's gonna know about it. Bob like, Iger himself was like, "No, it's like, come on, like, it's like, it, no, they're not taking it that seriously, you know." And they have enough faith in the, in the movie itself, and they don't have control over the numbers. Believe yeah. me, if the if the companies had control over the numbers, they would make them up all the time. Yeah, you think so, you think you know Justice League versus uh, I mean Batman versus Superman is happy that they had like twenty million in the second weekend? Like, I'm pre- I'm gl- yeah, I'm I mean, sure they would gladly made up that oh 60 million in second weekend yeah they've got the money you know so so yeah i don't know that's that's kind of crazy but i mean it goes to show that you know those uh those types of things and and for all movies not just captain marvel all all kinds of different movies you know that people hate on for for one reason or another and it's like look man the 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 numbers speak for itself like if a movie's doing well it means that people like it um 
And like I said, I think it speaks to the quality of the movie and the quality of the MCU. They built, they have a solid basis for their movies. People trust Marvel, so they're gonna go see it. And um, you know, this movie delivered. And I think to me, it speaks to how much of an echo chamber, though, how much of a small echo chamber those people are. Um, and, and to me, a lot of things. You know, uh, this is a person I'm not a fan of at all, but. There's someone that I do agree with for one thing is uh, Jason Whitlock always says that some, we, we got to sometimes take what's happening on Twitter and take it with a major grain of salt. And we cannot act like what we're seeing on Twitter is what is representative of even even 30 percent of what's happening in the world or what's happening in the country. And to me, this was like a great example of that was, yes, it seemed like there was this loud group of trolls that were, were were trying their best to try to tank the public opinion and the commercial performance of this movie, and they were unable to do that because I think they still weren't that many people, you know. But there 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 are a lot of people who use social media as a as a as a tool. So therefore, if you're on social media, it feels like there are a lot of them. But there are plenty of moms in Kansas, as shout out to Jen Uger from the Young Turks would say, that don't know anything about Twitter and saw the promotion of Captain Marvel and was like, oh, I want to see my take my daughter to see Captain Marvel. It seems like a fine movie. It might not be the most progressive person. It might not be the person that's most liberal, so to speak. But they don't, they don't, they're not into this crazy game that I think social media kind of puts us in where we're kind of, I think, kind of dogs are chasing our own tail with these crazy controversies that we make up out of nowhere. And to me, this was the, 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 the perfect example of that. So this... Uh, this commercial performance by Captain Marvel is not surprising to me. One, because the movie is solid, and two, it was marketed very well. And, and no, the, the the small number of trolls—they haven't really been successful in any of these attempts. We we talk about, we give them a lot of attention, and to some degree, it, we should in the sense that it is it's frustrating to see that there is still these people who 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 want to downplay anything that's not white and male. But, I mean, Black Panther failed in terms of the commercial success. That was one of the most successful movies ever. Star Wars Last Jedi failed. Force Awakens failed. Um, this movie failed. Like, they, they have never been successful in any of these attempts to the point where I wonder if we really should just ignore them at this point. Because they're, they're, they're not even a thing. Like, they're not even causing any anything real like they're they're make they take it they they're they're affecting an imaginary number on rotten tomatoes that now doesn't even exist anymore so like they, they don't mean anything and i think we're learned we learned that this week yeah i mean i mean i think you're right about that and i think that's why disney doesn't pay any attention <laughs> right you know like they they never make any response they don't respond because yeah, like, they don't these people don't yeah, matter exactly. <laughs> so they don't change the script or change how they market they don't change anything because they're like listen our, our numbers speak for itself we put out the movies this way and it works you know so um so yeah uh i don't know i, I agree i agree with your point that is it's not it's what not they're doing is not affecting it's anything. not it's not effective and it's not a lot of people doing it yeah. so it's it's, it's Honestly, a lot yeah. of people maybe within the realm of the super super into movies people, but besides that, it's not anyone of any 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 real movement in that regard. But um, but staying with Disney, staying with Marvel, this was a huge week for Marvel, not just because of the the, the success with Captain Marvel, but I, I was surprised. But pretty much straight after the, the the movie release, they came out with a new trailer this week for Avengers Endgame. 
I believe it will be the last trailer. I've seen some people say that, but I've never seen a confirmed thing from Marvel saying it's the last trailer. I think this will be the last trailer. Because uh, this was around the time, the time we got the last trailer for Infinity War. It was literally this week, the, the week to the to last year. Because um, I, I got a notification on Facebook that I was commenting about last year's trailer this week. So I was like, oh, wow. So they, no one thought, oh, we're going to get a trailer this week. No one kind of put those pieces together. Marvel did a really good job of really keeping that under wraps because it shocked everyone. Certainly shocked me being at work at 8 a.m. and seeing, oh, my God, there's a trailer out. Uh, so the trailer came out. This morning, this to me, and I said it on Twitter, I'm excited to hear what you think about it. But to me, this has been maybe the most fascinating uh, marketing campaign in regards to trailers, at the very least, of a movie that we've covered on this show that I've ever seen. Um, this trailer is very good, but it is another trailer that shows very little. The only thing, the only thing story-wise you get from this trailer is that somehow Tony Stark gets off that ship. <laughs> and that Captain Marvel is like she's with the crew. She's with the crew at the base, so she shows up pretty early. But you kind of get that impression already because you watch. If you watch Captain Marvel, you saw what happened in the um, in the in the uh, what's the name in the uh, post credit scene. Right. So those were the only two things we really learned from this trailer in terms of story storyline, actual things we could touch on. Still, no, pretty much no action. Uh, not very much story development. I've never seen a movie promoted like this, ever. They didn't even do this with Infinity War. There was a lot of questions about it, and they didn't do this with Infinity War at all. Infinity nope. War, they showed a lot. Yeah, they showed a lot. And this movie, they've shown nothing. And I'm happy they've done it, but I, I and I don't th- I don't think it will affect commercial performance at all. But I am very curious to see what happens because I've never seen a trailer promoted as if. We can't spoil anything because you didn't see the last because you, you got to see the last movie and then you know what happened at the end. So this movie, we're not going to really show much. I've never seen that before, but it's fascinating how they've done this. It is fascinating. I like the trailer a lot. I think it's very well done. Um, I uh, I agree. They didn't. They barely showed anything, and I'm glad they didn't show anything. I don't think they have to show anything. I think this is them not. Not flexing their muscles, no, so to speak, but they're just, you know, they know that they don't have to. Mm-hmm. They know they don't have to, so they're not going to, because they think that's going to make for, uh, especially, you know, in regards to the Russo brothers, who seem very passionate about the, the projects that they make. I think that that is going to make for the best viewing experience, you know, which they seem to care a lot about, considering yeah. how they didn't, they didn't show Infinity War fully to anybody mm-hmm. for release. I haven't heard anything yet, but I feel like they might do the same thing here. Yeah. Um, so I think they know that, you know, this is this is basically the culmination of what they've been building since the MCU started, which is teasing this whole Thanos um, con- confrontation. So they're like, listen, you're going to experience this without really knowing anything about how they solve it. Because yeah. they, they, they did such a – this is they, – they have lost so completely and so totally at the end of Infinity War, you know – this is something you want to keep a surprise. Yeah. So I think I think it's very I think it's good. I appreciate it honestly. I I appreciate the fact that they're not showing anything. So I think it's I think it's good that they're doing it like this. Yeah, and I thought that um, in regards to the, to the trailer, I really liked that they really had those nods to the previous uh, ten years of Marvel, um, especially with the big three. Yeah. How they showed 
uh, Iron Man, you know, breaking out of that cave in the first Mark One. You know, Steve seeing, you know, the signs of wanting to enlist. Uh, Thor talking to Odin with, you know, you know uh, Asgard in his full glory. You kind of forget that Asgard, Asgard is kind of no more. Yeah. Um, is no more. Uh, that was also cool because it just kind of – and I, what I liked about it, especially with Tony and with Steve, um, in some ways with Thor too, but it, it showed that these guys, yes, they are superheroes and we've seen them kind of triumph through everything, but it shows that these guys, even in with innately, they're, they're still underdogs. Like Tony was that guy in that clunky ass <laughs> Mark One. So, you know, Steve was still, you know, the guy – that scrawny little kid or you know, scrawny young man who the, the army would not accept because he didn't have what it takes. And, and, and Thor was a guy who was, you know, trying to live up to, a, you know, the God of all gods uh, in a place that was so unlike the where he is right now. And I think that was important in terms of visually to kind of remind you, yeah, like the odds against them seem so stacked, but they've had the odds stacked against them before and they've risen up to to unbelievable heights and i thought that that was a smart way in introducing the trailer to kind of remind people of that and see where they've come from and yes we kind of think like oh well you know how did they lose so badly last time it's like well they've been down and out before and they found a way i think you're right about that too i think it it, that's a good reminder i think it it's a lot of it is also just pulling on the nostalgia sure absolutely um, strings for a lot of people you know it definitely got me i was like oh boy that was so far back so long ago crazy to think about you know um that that was so long ago that all it started but um i think another thing ej and this is something i have to bring up yeah is that you know i think that and also the with the the narration from peggy carter yeah and the uh narration uh from iron man even um so with the, them going back and things and the new suits that they get at the end of the trailer I, at this point, I'm almost certain. I'd say I'd give it like a 95% chance. They're going to go back in time in this movie. Mm. So there will be time travel. Um, I think it's I think it's almost thrown in your face, honestly. So you think we're going to you think we're going to see Petty Carter? I don't know, possibly. Okay. Wow. That would be <laughs> that Yeah, that would yeah, that would be crazy. Yeah, all of this I think they're going to they're going to go crazy in this movie. I think the Russos I do not think they're messing around. I think they're pulling straight comic book this is their comic book, so to speak. They're creating their own story and how the, this Avengers team defeats Thanos. Um, I mean, there's such a heavy emphasis on the past. Yeah. And, and starting over. And, um, you know. Uh, and also, I mean, look, we got to keep it real. I mean, we talked about it on this show. We couldn't avoid it. It was just out there in the open. Mm-hmm. We've got those set photos of you know uh downey jr um uh, uh chris evans yeah, in his old old captain america suit yeah. in new york with ant-man pounding around and it's like like what yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what's going on <laughs> like that's so i think that was before infinity war even right yeah so i mean so look we kind of already i mean that doesn't prove anything necessarily but it's. I feel like it. You know, if you're if you're paying attention, if you're following following all this news, I feel like it. That's like the the most popular theory at this point, is that there's going to be some kind of time travel. Um, that and this stuff about the quantum realm, which I'm not as familiar with. Yeah. 
um, I'm not as sure about, but I'm pretty sure there's going to be some kind of time travel. Um, the impression I got from this trailer was also that all of this was still very early in the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I watched this trailer, and to me, this is still maybe the first half hour. The exception of maybe, you know, the shot of Steve at the end, which I'm like, boy, they know how to put shots of Steve where it looks like he's going to die, and you being like, yeah. Ah! <laughs> yeah. Um, they did it last time when he's got when you know Thanos is putting his hand down, yeah. you know, hand down on him. And here, like in this shot, where you see him strapping up the the thing, you're like, oh my god, don't die! Yeah. Uh, they they they, found the, they I guess they know how to pull in the heartstrings, so they know how much we 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 don't want to see Steve Rogers go. Um, and, and that, that was that was to me maybe the most powerful shot of the trailer but but besides that shot maybe the ant-man shot where he's doing something that everyone's trying to figure out what he's doing yeah i have no idea what he's doing but um besides those two shots i think almost everything else in this movie is is early on uh you know maybe the gamora shot too when she clearly is like she's like ready for battle that nebula Nebula, sorry, I always get those two mixed up. I think every time I bring up Nebula, I could never mix up with Gamora. The shot with Nebula, uh, where she's gearing up for battle, uh, or she does like a battle cry. That seems like that could be a scene with uh, with Thor. I mean, sorry, with uh, Thanos. But um, but besides that, Shamari, to me, a lot of this all was still probably early in the movie. Maybe, and then maybe with the exception of the spacesuits, like maybe that could be a last act thing where you see them in the suits. But besides that, I think all of this was early on. I think so too. I definitely think. Um, most of this was early on, like like you were saying, with the exception of those suits. Um, and I don't know when that Captain America thing, where he's putting the strap on, and the Ant Man thing, mm-hmm. and the the Nebula, bat clearly enraged, going after somebody. I don't know when that was. That could also could have been later in the movie, but um, everything else, them talking, you know, about what they're gonna do. Uh, even you know seeing Hawkeye as Ronin yeah. for the first time, I think all that stuff is fairly early. I, I yeah, I think so too. And um, you know even uh, uh, even that end scene with Thor meeting Captain Marvel, I'm sure that's probably first at least first first half hour of the movie. Yeah, because I mean, cause, and you could tell because you know in the in the trailer, excuse me, in the in the post credit scene of Captain Marvel, we see that you know when they meet Carol, she you know. Steve still has a beard. Yep. Um, you know, uh, uh, Natasha still has short blonde hair. We see right. in this trailer, her hair grows out back into her normal red color, and it's long again. Yeah. So a lot of months are going to pass before they end up taking that mission into space. So, yeah, all that stuff had to happen early. It does give me pause in the sense of pacing a little bit. It's As of now, it's a three-hour movie, so they might be able to get away with it. But because it seems like, I mean, it seems like so much is happening early on, I'm like, okay, like, will this pacing get a little out of control at points if, like, they, we've seen now, was it the second trailer or third trailer? This is the second trailer. Second trailer, a third thing we've seen, we had TV spot on the Super Bowl. Well, yeah, we had TV um, We've seen now, you know, a good, I guess probably six minutes, you put it all together in footage, five, six minutes, and it's like, all of that, this is in the first half hour, like, that's a lot to put in there. You know, we got to get introduced to Ronan. We got to get introduced to Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Tony, we got Tony's got in Tony space. In Tony's like, can then come back down into Earth somehow, which they've been teasing uh, throughout these trailers. How will they do all that and not seem like, you know, a tennis match where I'm looking back and forth and things are just going crazy? Yeah, the pacing is going to be very tricky. Um, uh, though, honestly, with this story, 
I'm just gonna be like, look, give me whatever. However I mean, long that's it takes. Why, that's why I hope. Do. I hope the three hour runtime that the Russo say they have their movie at right now. I hope that they keep it. Yeah, I think I that I didn't think I need it. Cut nothing. I didn't think I need it because they're trying to tie a lot of loose ends and and they but they also want to include a lot. In order to do that, you got they're gonna need the time. Yeah, and I, I don't feel I don't feel like this is a movie where people are gonna be like, oh, this movie was too long. I I don't know. If, I if, it, if it's three hours, I don't think that this is a movie where people complain it's too long. Yeah, I doubt it. I mean, this is and like, this I thought is... Infinity War at time at times I thought Infinity War was long. I thought there were scenes that definitely could have been shortened. Um, mm. I th- this movie just in the lead up to it, I don't feel I feel like they're gonna need all the time they can get. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're, you know, and I'm not, I'm not trying to necessarily stereotype, but I feel like if you're kind of going, oh, I want a casual movie going experience, just want to go and sit down for an hour and a half and watch some, watch this a fight. Not, this is not this isn't the movie for you. Yeah, I agree. This has been building for much too long. It's ten years in the making. This is this literally the second part of the last movie in all of the Marvel movies so far. And yeah. you can't go in and just expect to just yeah, for it to be something that short be, and simple. Story that began ten years ago. Yeah, and they're ending it all in this movie. Yeah. So I mean, you can't go in expecting something short and sweet. Yeah, it kind of it's funny. I, 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 my me and my girlfriend, we uh, shout out to the lovely Andrea Lynch. Um, we uh, we recently saw Captain Marvel for the second time, and she saw it for the first time and she liked it. She was like, "This movie was a lot easier to follow than Infinity War." Where like she was like I didn't know what was going on because I did not see a lot of the Marvel movies pre- previous to that, and I agree I think that these I think these Russo brother Avenger movies and Captain America movies I, I just I don't think they're for people who just are just plopping up and saying oh I want to see what the next Marvel things happen like th- th- those are not gonna be the movies for you yeah um, no. the Ant Man movies you can do that like, Captain Marvel showed like like this one you could definitely do that um, I think Ragnarok you could have done that but like. These movies, the Russo brother movies, I don't know if any of them are movies you just show up and say, "Oh, like I want to see what's going on." Maybe Winter Soldier, you can s- sit in and kind of get what's happening, but like even that's hard to me because yeah. they established so much with Bucky in, in the first one that wasn't a Russo brothers movie. Yeah. So uh, I, I do definitely agree with that sentiment, but I, I thought this was a, a good trailer. Um, I, I to be honest, I can't I can't say it was a great trailer. I know a lot of people have been throwing that out there. I know you threw it out there. I can't say because I I don't think I don't know if that. It's, I mean, it's fine, but just because they're not showing a lot, I, I can't go that far. I didn't see any action. I don't know what the story's about. It's like, it's, you know, everything about this movie I'm I'm intrigued by about. It was cut very well. Everything was done well. But it's me, so I, I wouldn't be able to grade this trailer because to me, I'm like, they didn't show me anything. This looked like a teaser. And it's a second teaser, third teaser I've gotten at this point. But this is what they're going to do. And like I said, it's... It's fascinating to me because, again, I feel like I've never seen a movie like promoted like this. And is there any effect, any negative effect on that? We'll see. I don't think there will be. But if there will be, I'm wondering, will that change how other movies or Marvel approaches, if there is, or if there isn't? Um, and it turns out that this movie does whatever the potential you think it has anyway with this thing. Will that will that entice Star Wars or other, uh, you know, movie franchises to try to do similar things you know it's uh, you know in terms of doing a movie that had a massive cliffhanger and saying well next movie we're going to promote but not tell anybody anything you know it's a it's it's a it's a very interesting situation they're in um but let's go back to the second 
massive news in regards to uh, Marvel movies this week, and it regards the Guardians of the Galaxy. And it turns out that after months of speculation, the new director for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 will be James Gunn, the old director. <laughs> so James Gunn, it was announced this week, was reinstated as the director and script writer, which we already knew because they, they said they were going to continue to use the script for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Which, so that in itself is already pretty big and fascinating and interesting to break down. And then the details around it make it even more fascinating because we learned now also by the Hollywood Reporter that not only was he reinstated, but he was reinstated last year. <laughs> right now it's March. He was reinstated last fall. And according to the Hollywood Reporter, when, they, when Gunn was fired, agents for various directors and filmmakers were basically lining up their candidates because they all wanted a piece of this pie and who wouldn't want a piece of the Guardians of the Galaxy pie and franchise? How much money that's into that franchise? So, of course, that makes sense. And it became very clear to the powers, or to the agents, I'm sorry, that the powers that be at Disney really weren't very interested in looking for any other directors. And they thought it was because the movie was just being pushed back. But it turns out that Disney actually decided at some point late last fall that they that James Gunn was worthy of a second chance and they signed him to a secret deal. They signed him to a secret deal and while he then went also and still signed a deal to do a Suicide Squad with D with DC. So this is crazy. I mean, they've basically been acting like i mean feige we just had a discussion about feige and his comments about gun and his influence on the universe i mean they've been acting like a guy has been fired who's been working for them <laughs> i've never seen anything like this before i mean again i'm gonna repeat what i just said they they they've been acting like a guy who's working for them currently has been fired for the last six months how <laughs> long has it been since they, it was summer when they fired him and he's been here the whole time. And part of me looks at this and says, okay, like how much of this is kind of messed up by Disney to lie to the media and to the public and about something that to me is like, it's not lying for a storyline basis. It's like lying about like your actual operations. And two, um, how effective I think this strategy was, which is actually kind of scary because I feel like more people will be inclined to do it. They basically said, look, we're firing you now. They thought about it and said, okay, look, we want to bring you back. The, right now, the block is too hot. So we're going to just put you on ice, just chill out, just don't say nothing, just don't do nothing. And then when the dust settles, we'll come back and say, oh, actually, James Gunn is still here and he's going to direct the movie. Funny it's kind of like a Smithers and Burns, like twirly mustache kind of way of getting rid of real controversy that we kind of assume happens in, the, in like the corporate world. But we kind of know maybe it doesn't happen that that like mustache twirly like. But that's what happened here. Yeah. What's funny is I'm sure Dave Bautista probably hates Disney even more. He's probably like, so I was making this whole big campaign, making this big thing of not even being in the movie, and he was still here anyway. That's fascinating because, like, did they not did they about? not tell the cast? That's what it seems like. 
It seems like they didn't tell him. Well, was Dave Batista still talking crazy? He was talking crazy for a while. Like recently, though. Like, well, not recently. Like, not like super. Has he done it in 2019? Um, because that's my question. My question yeah, is, I don't know exactly. Like, I I feel like I know he was doing it for a while. Right. I feel like those guys have been pretty quiet, which is why Kendall, shout out to him, not on the show today, has been very much like these guys are, you know. They they're not really standing up for what they said they believed in, which was uh, James Gunn or Bust. And my thing is, were they kind of like, did they kind of settle down because Disney said, "Look, just be cool. We are bringing them back, but we're gonna have to put this on ice right now." Like I said, the block is too hot, <laughs> and we we're just we just can't afford to just struggle along and fight this right now. We gotta just let this stuff, uh, you know settle and just go past us and by the way like i said before it worked because he got reinstated and there was not a peep from the same people who were so outraged that he was you know being allowed to be at disney for his past tweets i saw very little from the trolls that got him fired and when they even tried a little bit to try to defend their actions they weren't even as vociferous as they were at the time, right? Like the actual guy, I don't want to mention his name because I don't want to give him more attention. But the the actual the right wing troll that was the guy that the ringleader of it, like people were going at him, and he kind of was having these, you know, tepid responses for like the news. And I was like, this guy was a ringleader, and he seems like which to me again speaks to what we all knew, which was that this was a disingenuous campaign for a lot of people, but. It was still shocking to me. I was like, wow, like they really just said, no, we're just going to let these people forget about their outrage and we'll be fine. Because this is, I think Disney realized that they kind of got played. And they realized this isn't, this isn't really, re- this isn't real. Yeah. So it would be foolish of us to, 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 to cut our nose despite our face for a campaign and an outrage that is phony. And they were, yeah. they were proven 100% correct. And, and, you know what's funny is I was just looking this up. Uh, so Batista actually hinted at Gun returning a while a while ago. Yeah. Uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, during an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he said, and uh, his phone was ringing the day after with Marvel. And then he says he's bouncing back big time in the next six to eight months, <laughs> next year. You're going to see James Gunn bounce back in a huge way, which is going to be a huge statement and real vindication. (laughs) And then he added, uh, you know, Disney realized they made a harsh, rash decision. It was probably not the best decision. So, I mean, it sounds like he knew. It's funny. Those those quotes, they really really didn't get picked up by anybody. They didn't get picked up by anybody. I think everyone just assumed that Dave (laughs) was out of his mind. I think that's kind of how we, that's kind of how he was portrayed. He was like this, like, out of control rogue star that was just saying anything. <laughs> so perhaps like it got to a point where people just it stopped they started ignoring the quotes he was saying. When like yeah. if we would have covered that when he said that, I would have been like, that sounds like somebody who knows something that we don't know. And per- and <laughs> perhaps maybe people took those comments as thinking, oh well then when he got hired by DC, oh well this is what he was talking about. Right. That the, the enemy picked right. him up to do Suicide Squad. Yeah. But with what we know now, that sounds like somebody knows. No, he's coming back, and Disney knows, realized they messed up, and they're rehiring him. Yeah. When, when were those comments again? 
It doesn't even say, honestly, in this article specifically. It doesn't say. But it was a while ago. But yeah, it was a while ago. He's saying next six to eight months. Right. So that's so it a, must have been a while that, ago. You would think it was a while ago. I mean, so that that so that leads me to to think that they they also, the stars also knew, and they, they were just told to just chill out. Oh, actually, no. That was last week. Oh, wow. So maybe he just maybe, maybe he, he just, just found, found out. out. He may yeah. have just found out. And then he might. Yeah, he may have just Maybe he was out. like, That's I know we're going to start, pro- start production. I know he's going to start production on Suicide Squad. So maybe that him saying the six to eight months thing was just like the work he's going to be work. on. Yeah. Was not necessarily announcements. But uh, so, yeah. So so to go back to your point. So that does speak more to your point that like the Disney keep their stars out of the loop in this. Yeah, because it was this whole like it was for a little while, and and you know the cast members they all like wrote that didn't they write something on Instagram? They wrote something yeah, on wrote Instagram, a letter, yeah, a letter, and it took them a little while. Look, took a little while for that to, to come out, you know. So I, I think I think the cast member the cast members were in the dark about this as well. I think this was definitely something Which, that was kept. I feel like they the kind executives. of had to be. Like I again, if we're, I mean, do do you agree with my assessment that this is a, mo- a mustache twirly corporate absolute decision? Yeah, this makes Disney look horrible. I think it does too. I mean, everybody's excited, and I'm excited because James Gunn is a hell of a filmmaker, and he's done a very very good job with Guardians of the Galaxy. And at the end of the day, this is better for the movie making at Marvel. But yeah, this this is a mustache twirly thing they did, and it's scary to me that. There may be real issues that might come up, and they might try to pull the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they made this whole decision. The thing was, like, they, they – and they even came out and said when they when they fired him, quote-unquote. They were like, this is a – like, they're making a public well, stand. making a stance. Yeah. They're making a stand for, for more morality, and this is, like, absurd. We cannot have someone like this on our staff. And then they were just like, no, actually, uh, <laughs> we changed our mind. And we you changed know, our mind like immediately after a long we fired time ago. Him. Yeah, immediately after we fired him. It's crazy. So yeah, that's this is I don't know. This is it's really a little bizarre. yeah. It's scary because it speaks to the fact that, like you said, now I stand by what I said. That yes, this out. And I said it at the time. I was, this outrage is 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 a lot of it is manufactured, clearly manufactured, and Disney was acting on manufactured outrage over something that deserved to be have outrage. So it was like. You couldn't blame them for firing him because, regardless of what the outrage was, Gunn had fireball offenses. It was to me, we all agreed with that on the show. Yeah. So I didn't care what the what the campaign was, the stuff was fireable. So I mean, they fired him; it was fine. Um, but but it is interesting to me, like I said, and it is a little scary. It's like, okay, well, what happens if there's a campaign that is has merit again, but is real? Will they do try to do the same thing? Will they decide, oh, we can just, you know, wait out the storm, and then when the storm settles, we'll just bring them back. And to me, this kind of thing happens all the time, but I like, but not in in this way. Like a lot of times, you'll see, you know, we've seen it all the time with these like political, uh, or not even political. It could be sports analysts. It could be anything. They get fired from a network. And then what do they do? They go away for four or five months. And then you hear they got picked up by some other network who valued them as an asset. And while this is a little different because it's the same company, it's still kind of the same game. Because at the end of the day, like, they're never, like, shunned from the industry. They just got to sit out for a couple of months, and then they get picked up again. Yeah. But this was, like, this was a little crazy because it was the same company. And Glenn did get picked up by DC. Uh, but then this was the same company being, like, all right, just right, we're going to actually just bring them back. But we just got to sit him out so that we don't got to 
deal with this backlash. Right. Yep. Um, so, well, Gunn is back. What do you make? And we haven't really haven't talked just real quickly. What do you make of now Gunn being at the helm for Guardians 3? I am thrilled. I am so excited for Guardians 3. Guardians 1 was great. Guardians 2 was great. Um, and Guardians 3 is going to be is going to be awesome. I mean, I know the production was pushed way back. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to come out for a long time. So, I mean, is, I there any re- is it possible that it got pushed back because he told them I signed on to DC? <laughs> Like we're like we're like we've like been like going through this crazy thing of what the deal is with Guardians and like these like we there it could be simple answers as to some why some of this stuff is happening like the it's like we're told oh the production got pushed back massively it's like well if the direct it makes sense now because the director is doing another movie yeah. that is the, right now first on his agenda then that's probably the only reason why it got pushed back. Because why, why, why couldn't, if they were going to use his script, why couldn't they just get another director to just start production right. in the fall? Like, why would why would they have to push production back next year? The only rationale it could be is that the guy they have is busy. And we know that that's true now. Do you think he signed on to do Suicide Squad 2 before they brought him back? I think he did. I think he did. I th- or, or at the very least, he was, like, like very much, like, close to signing the deal. Like, mm-hmm. they knew this was going to happen. And, and and to me, honestly, I think that they probably, when they heard, because we heard the rumors of, of Gun to Suicide Squad for a while. Um, it wasn't, that wasn't a thing that, like, just popped up. It was just like, oh, you know, rumors are, DC, you know, Warner Brothers is very interested in James Gunn. It was like, okay, well, if he's interested, they're interested, he's going to sign because he has no job right now. <laughs> he's not like he's busy. So he's going to sign. Uh, so... So to me, I, I do think that's what happened. I think that, that he was at the very least very close with DC and I think they said, We gotta bring this guy back, like he's too much of a commodity. I think mm. they decided very quickly that it didn't make sense what they did, or at least it <laughs> they made the wrong move. And when they brought him back, they were like, Well, he's like, Well, I have a movie that I've signed on to. They're like, Well, you know what? The fans want you back, you're a valuable asset, like we'll wait for you to do that movie and then come back. But um Shout out to James Gunn though for uh, he's the first Winning. guy that crawled. Well, yeah, first of all, he won this thing. <laughs> um, he took now to be fair, he took his medicine uh, for months. Oh yeah, but by the end of the day, he now has two massive deals with DC and Marvel. I mean, still completely silent. That on that that I don't know if this would have happened if he didn't go through this. Like I don't know if he's directing Suicide Squad. If he, I don't think he I would don't think be. So nope, because I don't think he would have been a free agent. Yep. And I don't th- and I don't think that. DC would have been able to pry him to do this movie. In fact, I'm, I might have been something in his contract that wouldn't have allowed him to do it. So, so now he's got two massive checks coming to him, and he's the first guy in this era to do DC and Marvel. Um, major DC. Well, major. to be fair, do we count Josh Whedon? What, what it was? I mean, I guess technically he's I mean, the first I, guy. I, I mean, I count Whedon. So maybe what, he's so he's technically the first guy, but he didn't start that movie. I, I just feel like yeah, it's he, a didn't, he didn't start that movie. But no, yeah, to me so this is the different. true first one. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to be like I'm doing start to finish DC and Marvel, and right. and to me a great guy to be that guy to be that crossover guy. You know, he's an amazing again amazing film director. So uh, we, we we're both very excited about. What he does with uh, not only Suicide Squad, but now, in fact, uh, also Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. But let's go back to DC now. Let's talk about another story that, to me, was very interesting this week. And actually, 
was uh, around the Flash movie. Now, this is a film that continues to be uh, in limbo. Many of these entire insiders keep throwing out innuendo that they don't think this movie is going to happen. We did get a report earlier in the week that DC was aiming for a November start date for production. But now that seems tenuous with the news we got this week from The Hollywood Reporter that Ezra Miller is right now basically writing to save his job. The way it's being described is Ezra Miller recently teamed up with, uh, or is right now, teamed up with Grant Morrison, who's a, a marvelous comic book writer, to write a darker script for this Flash movie. And the reception that Warner Brothers has for this script could very well determine whether or not Ezra Miller is back as the Flash. Apparently, the directors of of uh, of the Flash, uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, uh, are looking for a, a more lighthearted movie. And Ezra has been very much pushing back against the scripts that they've been presenting. And DC said basically to him, "Okay." Give us the story that you want to tell us, and we'll go from there. But again, it seems like a lot is riding on this script, and if it's good or not. Or not even if it's good or not. It could be great, but if it's not what these directors like and not what DC likes, it, he could, his time with The Flash could be over. So what do you make of these developments, Shamari, with Ezra Miller and The Flash? Uh, I don't know, man. I mean, I like dark Flash storylines. Um, you know, Flashpoint is about as dark as it gets. Um, I also don't hate lighthearted Flash storylines, so I and I, I don't know why Ezra Miller <laughs> uh, does not like whatever this storyline is to the point where he's like, I want to, I'll write it myself. Can I t- can I can I guess why? And I'll let you continue. Yeah, yeah. That's fine. Um, I think it's because they told us it was Flashpoint, and what they were gonna give us was gonna be trash. Or at the very least, nothing like Flashpoint. And well, I think him as a Flash fan is being like is saying, "This can't be. This can't be Flashpoint. This can't mm-hmm. be the movie I'm going to be in." Mm-hmm. So they told him, "All right, write your own Flashpoint and tell us what it is and what how and how it shapes up, and we'll decide whether or not we want to continue." Mm, okay, that's my guess. But go ahead. Well, hopefully that's the case. I'm I'm just afraid that it's something that is not. I'm not saying that this is what it would have been. But it's uh, Shazam-like in that it's lighthearted, but it's good, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's not dark. It's right. not like Snyder, you know what I mean? And that Ezra Miller is like, oh, but I want something. Not not that this is what he's saying, but I want something like Batman v Superman and Justice League, you know. <laughs> Let's hope that's not what he's I, saying. That's what I'm, no, but that's like the worst case scenario. But <laughs> that like is the darkest timeline. But like no that's but like that's like what comes to my mind is like, oh, I want something darker, and it's like dark isn't always better, mm-hmm. you know. I know now. I know Flashpoint is dark, so maybe you're right in that he wants something more like Flashpoint, right? And more true to what the source material is. But just because it's light doesn't mean it's bad. Mm-hmm. So th- just hearing that, oh, he wants something darker, like that's not that's something that's necessarily like a good thing for me. Ho- but hopefully, I mean, I, I like that. I like dark storylines. I like dark storylines involving the Flash. I think that's when the Flash TV show is at its best as well. I mean, I I think I'm looking forward to it. I think Grant Morrison could add a lot. To it, but I, um, I don't know. I I hope he succeeds. I I didn't hate him as a Flash. I think he could be a decent Flash. Um, I think that I think I think having something that's similar to the actual Flashpoint would be cool to see on on the big screen. 
So, I mean, I hope he succeeds. Yeah, I mean, I thought the reception to the story has been interesting. Uh, ironically, the reception, a lot of the reception I've seen has been negative to Miller wanting a darker Flash story, which was a little surprising to me. Um, I think because people are kind of putting the Flash in a box, the, the responses again now to preface, like I said earlier, Twitter is a very small, loud major- minority that we need to consider. But the response that I was reading from Twitter was, the Flash is not dark. The Flash is not dark. The Flash is not dark. Why do we need a dark Flash story? It was shocking because I'm like, the most well-known Flash story of this era, maybe maybe of all Flash stories, is Flashpoint. And that is an extremely dark story. And that's the story they told us they were doing. Now, we heard that two years ago. So, I mean, that, that can be totally different now. But that, the last update we had on what the story was, they told us it was Flashpoint. And yes, if they're if Ezra Miller feels like the story that they're telling with Flashpoint is not lighthearted, it's too lighthearted. There should be nothing lighthearted about Flashpoint. Right. So I'm agree. I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna agree with him on just face value. If they're tell, if you're saying this is too lighthearted, I'm like, well, if you think anything about this story is lighthearted, then he they're wrong. So I was a little taken aback by that. But the, again, the reception I kept seeing was, well. You know, again, Flash is not a dark story, and a lot of dark Flash characters know. Also, what I was seeing was DC doing the same thing they do again, or Ezra Miller trying to pull DC back into its old bad past of doing these dark stories. Doesn't they see that, like, Aquaman and Shazam showed that they need to get away from that? And I don't know. I think, I, again, like I've said this on the show before, I think sometimes we're getting away, getting too, too out of hand with this dark and light story. Like, a movie, a good movie is a good movie. I don't, it, you know, it, right. I don't think. I don't. I don't think a, a story. Yes, I think a story can be too dark or too lighthearted, but I don't think because a story is dark, it is bad. I don't think because a story is lighthearted, it is good. I think that that purely goes down to just filmmaking. That's that's the, the tone of this movie has nothing to do with whether or not it's good or bad. I think, um, to me, this tells me that I don't. I don't know if he has a future as a Flash. Mm. Um. But the fact that he's he's teaming with Grant Morrison tells me that like he thinks that he has a chance because to me Grant you you get Grant Morrison you're trying to really really give the fans a like monster flash story like that to me you're telling me a lot when you sign Grant Morrison you're telling me wow okay you you read the source you you're you're passionate about the source material and you want to give the people what they want and something that's true to the source material. So I can appreciate that with Ezra. Um, so that tells me that he's serious. But he also could be serious because he realizes his job's on the line. <laughs> That's also possible. But I, I just think it's very weird for DC to put their own star through this kind of hoop if they really wanted him. No, that's definitely true. You know, like like why would you put him through this hoop if you really badly wanted him to be the Flash? Like, why wouldn't you just give him what he wants? Why are you saying, all right, you know what? You do the work. We're not going to do anything. You find, you do the work. You find someone to help you. And then you come to us with something that looks good and maybe we'll agree. And if we don't agree, well, then we may have to part ways. That doesn't sound very much like a unity that is very uh, reciprocal. Uh, Yeah, definitely not. I mean... um. It definitely moves away from the idea of the Hollywood star just getting what they want. Mm-hmm. 
you know, regardless of what the director, the producers tell him. You yeah, know. definitely. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to make a comparison to Aquaman, though, as much as I love Juan and as, yeah. as big of a name as I think he is, I think if Momoa were like, I do not accept this, I need something different, or I ain't doing it, they would have just, they would have had to <laughs> work around whatever he wanted because Momoa agree. was Aquaman. Yeah, he agree. was their guy. Yeah. You know, Ezra Miller is not the same case. I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I guess I feel a little uh, bad about it. I feel bad about it too. And I, I actually wasn't one who liked Ezra Miller's performance that much. And I, and I, and to be fair, I was one of the people in the minority that a lot of people did like him. I thought he was, I, I thought he was a, a stand-up comedian as the Flash. I, th- I thought it was too over the top how they wrote him. I don't know. I, I can't. T- I couldn't tell if it was Zack Snyder or Whedon who wrote him like that. I couldn't tell. And that movie is very difficult to kind of decipher because of the, the director change. But to me, he was like to me. He was more like Wally West and Barry Allen, um, and that that was a problem for me. So that also was surprising. That that's this news was surprising then when I heard that he wanted a darker story. Because to me, he's a, a funny guy. He's a he, to me he's a lighthearted guy and. He he played the lighthearted role well. It wasn't what I wanted, but I thought he did a good job with what they were trying to tell him to do. Um, so to hear, oh, he wanted to, do, he wants to do this. It's like that's just it. You wouldn't have expected. It. Yeah, I, I would not have thought that he they would have signed they wouldn't have signed him to do that kind of role to me. Mm. And yeah. I don't know, maybe they lied to him or they or or there was some miscommunication. But to me, he's not the Flash. To, he's not the Flash to do Flashpoint. <laughs> to me, he's not—he's not the Flash to do Flashpoint. Now, it doesn't mean he can't do a great job, because there are plenty of times we see actors who we think of them as one thing, and then they do something else, and you're like, "Yo, this guy is amazing." And Ezra's an amazing actor. Who's to say he can't do it? I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying, if I'm thinking of people to hire, he's not the guy I'm hiring to be the Flash in Flashpoint. I'm thinking of a lot of other actors. So, it's to me. I, I actually, again, I give him credit, and I—I I, I listen. I hear the story. I, mean, I feel a little bad for him. And, I, and I, I commend him for his love for the sports material and wanting to give us what we want, or at least what he feels the fans would want. But, um, but yeah, to me, I, I do take this and feel like his days are numbered as a Flash. And I, and I, I talk to now, I wonder what the, what the priority is for DC for this Flash movie. Again, to tell the star, all right, you do the movie. <laughs> like, I, that doesn't sound. That just does not sound like a movie that is has to be higher in priority. That you're mm-hmm. making the star of the movie do the work. That's to, to to ensure you that this is a movie you should move forward with with him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I can't argue. I think that's definitely right. Um, another really bizarre kind of rollout or production situation happening in the superhero realm is with the Dark Phoenix movie, which is done. But a very interesting story from Vanity Fair this week highlighted what. Uh, Many inside Fox are calling a, a, a kind of lack of direction and a hampering of the rollout of the movie because of the Disney Fox merger. Shamari, they're saying essentially that um, they're not having much direction on, on how they're going to promote the movie as we get closer and closer to these, re- these months of the movie coming out. And that they have vacant positions that aren't telling them what to do. And... We're coming up tomorrow. This week is supposed to be the week where the Disney Fox merger comes official, and that could mean the 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 layoffs of up to seventy five hundred people at 
20th Century Fox and you know salute to them and shout out to them because you know while we do talk about this Fox Disney merger we talk about how much we're excited about um, the MCU you know being able to have these characters come back home so to speak that is not in any way cheering for or being excited about the firings of these people who we know are real people who have real jobs who are passionate who love this medium too I want to put that out there because I feel like I've heard a lot of people talk about that and why I think it's sometimes unfair to put that on us say oh you guys don't care about these people I do think it is on us to also recognize the work that they've done and shout them out because they've given us great movies over at Fox and done great work as well um, but to get back on to this point they're saying that they don't really know what's going to happen and that they're nowhere near uh, uh, where they should be in regards to putting together a game plan to, to market this movie. The quote that uh, was pulled from Vanny Fair from an anonymous Fox exec was, we know when we are dropping a trailer, but we are nowhere near where we should be at this time. It's frightening. I would be mad if I was a filmmaker. He went on to talk about the vacancies saying, or they, it could be a woman, um, nobody has come around and said, this is what's going on. Why can't they just tell us? There is no place for us. Why can't they, why can't they let anyone know? Where We are not leaving because we did not, didn't make money for the company or we did a bad job. We are leaving because of pure capitalism. Um, Shamari, any thoughts on, on, on what seems like, what's continuing to seem like uh, a very sad end to the X-Men as we know it from Fox's standpoint. Yeah, I mean, you always feel bad for people that are getting laid off like that. Absolutely. You know, because it's not no fault of theirs. So, you know, that's always not a good thing to hear. Um, I mean, hopefully... Um, I mean, look, the roll-off of this movie isn't going to be smooth because the production wasn't smooth. No, Disney is going to be in charge of the rollout. They have no interest in being... Yeah, they have no interest. Other than maybe the kindness of their heart, which I would argue they should have kindness in their heart. But I, other than the kindness of their heart, there's no reason for them to be invested in this. Yeah. So, so yeah, that is that is obviously, like, a huge problem. Um, and I don't... I don't know. I mean, this, this movie is, is going to have a lot of trouble in terms of doing well in the box office. Um, I mean, they're gonna, they're gonna have to survive on either word of mouth if this movie's just great, <laughs> or uh, the X Men name, just the name X Men, basically, and the people that like Fastbender and uh, McAvoy, yeah, and uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. So, I don't know. I I don't think that this movie's gonna do very well. I think it has a chance to be decent, which is more than than what I can say for a lot of other people. Who are paying attention to the production, um, but I think it has a chance to be decent. Um, you know, I thought I think they cut a good trailer for it, personally. Um, and I am—I uh, don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing it, but you know, you still—you know—you kind of feel bad because you—you know, people that the people that work on these movies are excited for it. You know, they want to do well. You know, they're excited for you know all the good stuff promoting it. You know the red carpet and and oh the movie sold however many tickets and it's doing so well and this movie may not do so well and 
the production was just a stressful experience. It seems. And remember, and remember, I don't know if you remember the. I want to say the very first trailer that came out. Like we got like no word that the trailer was coming out. Yep. It was like mad weird. It was like a midnight release. Yeah. And then when it came out with the with the release date of Valentine's Day, and then that got pushed back immediately. Yeah. I mean, they. I mean, this has been a mess. No other way to say it. And. And again, we have to continue to preface that it's. it's I'm not going to say it's the fault of the people at working on the movie. It's people at Fox that are messing up clearly, but I'm not. You know, the people working on this that are working hard, I'm sure, are hitting roadblock after roadblock. Um, again, apparently, the people, the executives that have been vacated, they've been replaced by like like consultants. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's a bad situation. Yeah. It's a bad situation. Um, we don't like to see it because we love the X-Men. Um, Fox's X-Men have been instrumental to this culture. So for their sake, for our sake, for the culture's sake, I hope that this movie turns out to be good. I have a lot of doubts, but you know, I, I, I don't wish anything bad on this movie. I really hope this movie turns out to be great and um, they can kind of overcome what's been a messy rollout and they can overcome um, with what's been a tough situation and that they can at least bookend their uh, the time of Fox's X-Men and they could have something to be proud of because they deserve it. I mean, they've put 20 years of work and given us a lot of awesome moments, you know, so. Yep. And shouts to them. Yeah, shouts to them. And hopefully, you know, they continue to work, you know, hopefully they get something to do with Disney. Maybe they can help with the new X Men. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. I hope so. I really do. I, you know, I don't know what you know. Again, the, the plan is seventy five hundred jobs. I really hope that Disney finds a way to absorb these people. Marvel find ways to absorb these people because, you know, we can talk about recasting Wolverine and recasting Professor X. I mean, we're talking about millionaires just being replaced. That's I don't feel as bad for them. The people who are right. doing the groundwork, the 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 staff people. I mean, those people, those people. It should not just be, oh, just put another $60,000 a year guy or gal in there and it'll be the same thing. I, I right. hope that they find a way to make this work, even if the creative uh, is 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 changed and the creative is different. But, you know, yeah. like as this person said, it's capitalism. So, you know, who's to say that's actually uh, going to happen? Um, last story of the day, Ken Shamari, before we move on to the TV reviews, Sony... Is apparently developing a not only film spinoffs from their Spider-Man entities, but also a television uh, television universe that they're building for uh, their Spider-Man entities. In uh, the quote exactly I have here from Mr. Mike Hopkins, Sony uh, Pictures Television Chairman, he said, "Quote: We're developing a lot of Marvel-related content. And I think we'll be out in the market very soon with something really, really big." Uh, and transformer transformational. I don't know what's the word. Transformational. I guess it's a word. I don't know why it looked weird to me. Transformational for us because we're we've done not done any shows with Marvel before. It's Marvel IP, so that's a big piece of development that we're on to. I think we aspire to have several shows in a universe that we can we create that can pollinate between each other and to working with a partner to make that happen. So. You know, I don't know if they said anything about whether or not these shows would be animated um, or if they're just... They didn't, which is weird. 
Right. Well, that to, it's weird, but also just maybe this is something that they're working that's going to be huge. That there could be live action elements. Yeah. Uh, to it, so we knew films was happening. TV is the news hair sham. What do you make of the fact that they're working on something big with the with with TV spinoffs of Spider Man? I am super excited for that. Yeah, that could be really really awesome. And I mean, I think that could almost like re. Um, that could do so much for like just I guess just re. I would say rebranding Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of rebranding Spider Man if we're if we're starting with kind of a Miles Morales yeah. as the basis. Um, I mean, this could be like back in, in the like, um, uh, back in you know when the first Spider Man movie came out and everyone was excited about Spider Man. Mm-hmm. This could be similar to that. I mean, if they have all these different things lined up, including TV shows, and uh, I was actually reading from uh, We Got Discovered as well. This is their scoop. I mean, they're hearing that. And maybe we make it an Agent Venom TV show, which would be crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much that they can do um, with this. So I am, I don't know. I mean, I'm extremely excited. Even with anim- animated or live action. Though I think live action, that would be, that would just be like insane. But we're hearing what, honestly, if this, if this were like five years ago, I would have been like live action. That's probably not going to happen. But I mean, we're getting Loki. We're getting a Star Wars live action television series. Yeah. I mean, we're getting all this all this other stuff. I mean, why not Sony just jump on the bandwagon and be like, oh, yeah, you know what they're going to do? We can do it too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot of these people realize, boy, talk so much for superhero fatigue. We yeah, keep, we keep, honestly. We've been hearing about this so called superhero fatigue that's supposed to happen, but yeah. $700 million for Captain Marvel. Uh, a new universe being made by Sony that's going to be on television and film for just Spider-Man, just that character's franchise in itself, yeah. where they noted that they have 900 characters that they can play with. Um, Superhero fatigue is not anywhere near our doorstep and nowhere to be found. There may be superhero movies that do bad because they're not marketed well or they're not good, but it's not because of superhero fatigue. This entity is here to stay. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Uh, I hope that, you know, my hope has been that we get a really great Spider-Man weekly cartoon. Mm. I feel like, I know, I know some people like you guys like the Ultimate Spider-Man show. Right. Um, I've only given this recent new one a couple of spins. I got to probably watch it a little bit more. Uh, but I just feel like they haven't really gotten one right since Spectacular Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, and then before that, obviously, the 90s Spider-Man is an iconic show. And to me, the, the the animated avenue is really being is not really being uh, explored enough, I think, by these uh, companies, Marvel and DC. Uh, and then you include Fox and Sony in regards to X-Men and Spider-Man. I, I think that there's still a lot of capital possibly there. And there's still so much storytelling potential there. That I think you know, DC is finally learning, and they're trying to do with what they have with Young Justice, what they're doing with Harley Quinn. Right. You know, I, I think Marvel is just, I think they're asleep at the wheel. I, I think that they, <laughs> they, I think they're asleep at the wheel. They're they're putting out a pretty solid Avengers Black Panther show, but after that, I think they just feel like there's not money in it. They don't care about it, and who knows? They are trying to do all these shows now on Hulu, right. so maybe this is them trying to revive that. But for years, they've been asleep at the wheel. Sony to me has been asleep at the wheel. Um, I, I hope I hope that they really try to get into animated content 
because I think that there's a there's still a ending into the Spider Verse show them there is a lot of money and and a lot of really great stuff that can happen from making animated content and I, I hope that they explore this if they explore live action that's gonna be fascinating to me because I, I'm wondering what can they do that would be worthwhile to see on television because. You know, Agent Venom you could probably do on TV and look pretty good, uh, live action, because you know it's not the Venom that we saw in the you know Venom movie, which you can never do on, on yeah. TV. Agent Venom you could probably get away with a little more, but you know some of these other characters, like you know, it's hard to kind of I think do a Spider-Man like characters. You know, I don't know if uh, Spider Gwen is someone that would be smart to do on live action or uh, or some of these other Spider characters. So I think it takes a lot of CGI to make that stuff work, a lot of wire work to make that stuff work. So, um, but again, like you said, it seems like these television companies are finding the money to make this stuff work. Yeah. Or at least they're gonna try to. We know HBO is doing it with Game of Thrones. We know what Disney's doing with all these other shows. Sony, Sony to me knows that they have a gold mine after what they saw with the performance of Homecoming and the performance of. Spider-Man. Venom and his forms of into into uh, into the Spider Verse, that th- there's no chance they're ever gonna fully give up that Spider Man, you know, entity. That they I think they feel recharged after what was some really dark times for them during the amazing era. Yeah. Uh, of of movie sale numbers that were sl- that sagging, and just and to me there was Spider Man fatigue. I think that they were yeah. not that interested in him. And a lot of that, I think, was Sony's fault. I think they brought him back way too quickly from the previous trilogy. Yeah. And I think the storytelling was had left a lot to be desired. That didn't help. Now, they, they the deal with Marvel helped kind of give them that. I think they gave him that jolt. They gave him that jolt of excitement, a jolt into that uh, into that character, a jolt into that franchise. And now, they know the sky's the limit. Now they're gonna try everything they can. They gotta maximize. What they have because they know they're splitting the pie with Marvel, with anything that Holland does, uh, with them. So it's a uh, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a smart play. We'll see how it works out. I hope that they find some good content in there. They should. It's Spider Man. So <laughs> you should be able to do something. If you can't make money with Spider Man, I think something's wrong with you. Okay, so Shamari, let's quickly break down these three episodes from CW. So we're doing the big three: uh, Supergirl, The Flash, and Arrow. We're going to start with Supergirl this week, Sham, because it was our introduction to Lex Luthor. And I think we got to give CW another round of applause, man, because this is now, I think, for me, two for two. They introduced Superman, and I think Superman that we were introduced to on Supergirl was better than Henry Cavill. They introduced Lex Luthor tonight. We're recording the show Sunday night. I think Lex Luthor was 5,000 times. I don't think it's arguable. <laughs> 5,000 times better than Eisenberg. I, I, think, I think the biggest Batman v Superman fan would agree. <laughs> There's no argument. <laughs> yeah, the Lex biggest Luthor person who way... loved Jesse Eisenberg could not disagree that this guy was way better than Way him. better Lex Luthor. Um, this guy was awesome. I'm going to just put it out there. This guy was awesome. <laughs> he did a really good job. It, was he was impressed. so good. And to be honest, I think the episode overall was just okay. I won't say okay, but he made it good. <laughs> the episode over, if you're taking the episodes, him where he wasn't involved, I think the rest of it was just okay. He was outstanding. Oh, yeah. 
Um, oh boy, he stole the show, man. He stole the show. He stole the show completely. And and to be honest, the first scene where they showed flashback to four years ago, yeah, I was like, I was still on the fence. I wasn't sure. I was like, okay, yeah. uh, you know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit of they, they hint, it was, there's a little Eisenberg, a hint of Eisenberg, but um, but because he had that kind of like that kind of like sociopathic kind of like lack of self awareness, yeah, that Eisenberg clearly had, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but also but there was still some of the still like the like obviously maniacal right genius and like still kind of slickness like right. Eisenberg had no slickness to him this yeah. guy has the slickness still Eisenberg's like playing basketball in the in the, in the, at the basketball oh, court yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that's that image is gonna be ingrained in my brain for the rest of my life him with that long hair shooting basketball I mean oh man terrible oh my god but this dude was awesome um him playing the sick role the manipulating um and then by the end when he turns out that he healed himself he's already healed and he had this joint played out that that home girl that's been secretary for for lena all these years and was was a secretary at catco for all these years has been working for lex luthor which every time i see her i've been thinking that for some reason, somebody, every time I seen her, I was somebody, like, "Yo, she looks like somebody that would be working for Lex." Luthor. Did somebody, did Kendall bring that up? Did, did somebody bring that up before? I feel like I somebody might have brought that up. Kendall could have bring it up. He's very perceptive, but I know I've thought that. I've watched this show and been like, "Yo, like she definitely could be working for Lex." I don't know something about her, like just to be screaming mm. like mole. Uh, she was so close to Lena. She was mm. like so close to her work. You know, for like such a long time. Right. Yeah. It just seemed like. Something's up here, and sure enough, a lot was up. But I mean, Shamari, I mean, we agree. I I thought this guy was remarkable. I thought they wrote, and not just the the credit doesn't just go to the actor. The credit goes to the showrunners and, well. and the writers of Supergirl. I mean, they they did a remarkable job with Lex Luthor. Yeah, man, this was really really impressive. And look, man, I love Michael Rosenbaum's Lex. Yeah, I thought he was a very good Lex throughout the entire show. And seeing his transformation from being Clark's friend mm-hmm. to ending up as just his enemy yeah. by the end, I thought that was remarkable. But this this Lex is like this is like end, this is like final version. This is like final form cell Lex. Yeah, like this is just <laughs> this is like perfect cell Lex. I'm using Dragon Ball Z references. Like this is just what you would want Lex Luthor to be, basically. But with the, the twist of Eisenberg in there, which I didn't expect. At all. Like, this is what Eisenberg probably should have been. Right. Honestly. If they wanted to make him, like, a little weird. It's crazy how they took a role that was so bad and still found <laughs> an element in there that worked yeah. for their character. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's an element that is not Lex Luthor. Yeah. That's what's so interesting about it, is that Snyder did something that... He did something obscene to Lex Luthor that we've never seen before. Right. We've never seen Lex Luthor act like that. Yeah. Just put it out there. He's never been like that. Mm-hmm. Snyder just decided I'm going to do something different. Yeah. The fact that they took that, that I think almost uniformly, even the people that liked Batman v Superman thought that was an interesting take on Lex Luthor. At the very least, interesting. And the fact that they took that and said, there's something there that could work for our iteration that we could use and used it effectively. That was, that was brilliant. I mean, it was. It was brilliant. Um, And 
to me, I mean, he sets up to be an unbelievable villain for the rest of the season. If that is indeed where they're going. Um, you know, the season's a little weird. We don't know what, what happened to Manchester Black. <laughs> um, John seemed to think he killed him. We thought he was dead before when he went into that thing, right? Right. They're like, oh, Manchester's dead. I mean, they were they was saying that before. Yeah. <laughs> now I, we're saying Manchester's dead again. I mean, he, but this time, like, you know, I mean, what's thing had the staff. Yeah, the staff, and, and he stabbed him with it. Right. And he was all glowing and stuff, which, I mean, we I don't mean, know. It did not look good for Manchester <laughs> at that moment. But we don't know. It was a very, still a very ambiguous death. Um, if that's his death, that's a sad way for him to go. That actor deserves better. He did a good job as Manchester uh, Black. He's, he's done a good job. Man, if we're Black. talking about Supergirl, man, I thought he was doing a good job these past few episodes, man. I, th- I think he's been very good. I thought he was doing a very good job. Um, Though this episode, it was kind of weird. I don't know why. This, yeah, this was probably, this actually was probably one of his worst episodes. Yeah. But, I mean, the, I thought the episode of them introducing the Elite. That was great. Uh, that could be a Jenny nominee. Yeah, that was a great episode. That, it, that could be a Jenny nominee to me. Um, and there are plenty of Lex Luthor moments in this episode that could definitely be OMG moments and, and Jenny nominee conversation things. I mean, if Lex keeps going like this, he's definitely going to be a Jenny nominee. I mean, for sure. <laughs> and to see him just uh, take out those cops. That was crazy. I mean, and it's crazy how like it makes you it makes you th- really think about like how afraid those cops were of him. Right. They were like these like they don't leave they don't leave me they don't uh you know, take their eyes off me. Yeah. And they're like they think I would run. And they're like you, she's like you would. He's like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about this guy is that he's like he he's he knows he's evil. But he lacks like I said, he lacks of well in, in terms of how weird he can be. But he knows he's evil. Yeah, and like he's not afraid to say, "Yeah, I am evil." Yeah, I will do bad things, um, but it's for the right reasons. Uh, yeah, and they were right not to take their eyes off of him, and not well, to when she's like, "Oh, give me the keys." He's like, "Are you sure? Are you sure about that?" Yeah, it was um, crazy. He played a long game, and he played Lena like a puppet, and that's what we needed to see. Yeah, we needed to see. Because Lena is very smart on this show, and we've seen her actually outmaneuver her mom over and over again. Yeah. To the point where I think we actually need to see, okay, well, what about, like, Lex? And see, okay, this is a person that you she can feel the whole time like she was in control. And, in fact, she was very much not in control of anything that was happening. With the exception of, no, I can't say, I don't, I'm saying anything. He helped yeah, her no. fix the cure. Yeah. He's the reason Jimmy was shot. He's the reason the lights went out. Yeah. Like, he, he was behind everything. I mean, uh, wow. I mean, that great job. Um, so the rest of the episode, I, I thought a lot of that stuff left a lot to be desired. I, I thought I thought they wrote Kara very poorly in this episode. Mm. I, I, you know, I didn't quite, one, I never, like, Alex was, like, you know, bringing up real concerns as to why aren't you more concerned for Jimmy About and Jimmy. not being here. And, and gave these Peter Parker. These answers she was giving made no sense. And yeah, to me, her reasoning sense. for leaving still kind of made no sense. It didn't make any sense. Like, like John, <laughs> with no evidence, is, is like going crazy about Manchester Black. Man, Manchester Black did this. And <laughs> Kara just take, know that? And Kara just taking him at face value. And yeah. like. And leaves Jimmy, who's dying. Right. My literally. thing was like, okay, but like, 
March Manhunter's an alien. Like he could, he could, he can handle he can himself. Handle himself. He can handle Manchester Black. Like <laughs> your friend is dying, and you're just leaving. And like, and to me, like she was, she didn't even seem like that concerned for Jimmy while she was gone. Like it wasn't like yeah. she was like, I can't believe like Jimmy's. Yep. She was just like, all right, how are we gonna get Manchester? I'm like. Yo, F Manchester. Yo, Jimmy's Jimmy living. is Jimmy's dying. gonna die, and you're not gonna be able to say like, bye to him. What? Are, like, what are you doing and here? Alex pointed that out, and she's just like, ah. It's like, yeah, you're not. He's gonna die, and you're not gonna be able to say bye. Like, it, it just seemed. It seemed like the showrunners, maybe because they were so focused on Lex and feeling like they had to put Kara just out of the way in order to establish him. It seems like to me they neglected their own character, their main character. They neglected her in a way and made her look so callous. I don't know why they did that. I don't think that was necessary. I don't think so either. I mean, I mean, even when we were watching, we were pointing out how kind of weird that was. She was acting very strange. You know, it was very weird. Especially for someone who they, they always showed to be so caring and very so thoughtful empath- very empathetic, and so empathetic. Yeah. Why she was acting that way, it didn't make any sense. Yeah, for someone that she didn't have that much of a beef with. Manchester Black? She doesn't like him, but it's not like it was some of these other villains she's gone up against where it's been right. more personal. Like some yeah. of the Kryptonians or, or uh, you know, Monel's mother. Like, this was not, like, Manchester Black, their beef is not that. The beef is more with him and, and, and John. Yeah. So why would she go and, like, oh, yes, I got to do anything I can to stop Manchester. Like, it just seemed very strange. Yeah. Especially when your friend is, your best friend is dying. Yeah, it definitely was strange. Um, speaking of that beef, what's up with uh, Martian Manhunter and Manchester Black? And his, well, I mean, like. It may be over if Manchester's really dead. I hope it's over. But, like, his beef with him has is, is kind of gotten out of control. It kind of reached a peak in this episode where I'm like, what is going on with him? Yeah. Like, yeah, this was the episode that I think I didn't quite get a lot of what was going on. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what is it? It's Manchester. Manchester did it. I have to find him. And I'm like, is, is, does no one see, like, how. That was also the weird thing is that, like, why was there also no effort to, to like actually investigate, like who shot? Like there was no investigation. Yeah, no, there wasn't. An John was just like, "It's Manchester." <laughs> and and I was like, okay, "Okay, let's get him." And like, I never saw them actually like look at the bullet. Like none of the investigative work that goes into finding a killer happened in this episode. Nope. It was just they had to find Manchester. He was playing mind games with John, and that also was very strange because I'm like, I, again, I feel like. I don't think John, John even. Asked, I don't think he even asked. Like, did you shoot Jimmy? I don't think he did. I don't either. think they ever brought it up. It never got. It never came up. <laughs> he just wanted the smoke. He wanted the smoke by any means necessary. <laughs> he wanted an excuse to get the smoke, and I, I, I didn't almost mind. I didn't mind as much for him because they they decided to make this a personal thing. But again, I guess my issue was Kyra just being so fine with just following John on this bloodlust yeah. trail. It was, it, it, it didn't play out well. And I, I hope this isn't the end for Manchester, because that would be a sad end to, I think, what it, it's been a very strong performance by, uh, by by David, the actor who played him. Oh, yeah. Super, very, very strong performance. I mean, just the talking, like, just everything about that character, he's done a great job with. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they've written him well in terms of just him bringing up that fact that I'm here to take out the extremists and the, and the you know the the the, the haters the hate the hate people the hate hateful people, and 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 kind of seeing like what that other side is of when you take it too far in regards to you know trying to trying to you know bring justice, you know it 
and it's very Manchester Black. It, it, they've done an excellent job with him. It, you know, again, I, I I hope this isn't his end. It very well could be because they're clearly setting up. All right, Luthor is the next show now. Yeah. Luthor, we know from the previews, likely behind that other Supergirl that's training in Russia. Right. Yeah. Um. So, you know, that seems to be where we're going, but. Yeah, Manchester's death was kind of weird. It, it wouldn't surprise me he he popped up somewhere. But, yeah, shout-out to the Elite. I thought those episodes were awesome, bringing them in. They were. Uh, Hat was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and and how like how much problems they gave to Supergirl and her crew. Those were those were really great episodes. Um, anything else to Supergirl before we move on? Uh, I thought Supergirl's been pretty good lately. Um, I agree. I think that, you know, it, it surprised me. And I think that Lex is if the Lex if Lex stays on this level, he's gonna bring this show to another level. I agree. I'm just gonna say that right now. He's gonna be like like what um he's gonna be like what Zoom was to Flash and what um uh, what's his name? The the throwing star killer in, in, in Arrow. Oh Prometheus. Yeah, he's gonna be like Prometheus and Arrow. Yeah. He's gonna be that level uh for this show. Um I agree. I, I this was a spectacular beginning. Uh and I said, if he's the rest of the season villain, I'm all for it. And perhaps they brought in. I, I just wondering where does Agent Liberty and where does he fall oh, into yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, that's I have no you idea. Know, he, he <laughs> you know, I, I've been under the assumption that he's been getting bankrolled by like Slothor. Mm. Uh, I'm wondering if we'll get anything on that note. We see in the preview he's talking about his fight against aliens, so that tells me maybe that's where they're going. But they spent so much time on Lockwood. It would be weird to see him take such a backseat. But that's what's gonna happen. Oh, He's yeah. gonna take a backseat to Lex Luthor. Yeah. But um, but I'm 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 wondering that if it would make sense to have him say, well, this was the guy that was bankrolling him, and that's why he's taking the backseat, not just some other guy came up and I was like, all right, well, Lockwood, we're gonna move you to the side right now. Right. Uh, all right. Let's talk about the Flash. Um, the Flash has had some recent, some interesting recent episodes. Um, the last one being the episode with what was supposed to be our final confrontation with, uh, Cicada. Shamar, you could not, you did not understand how happy I was when I kept seeing them say, this is supposed to be the final encounter with Cicada. Cause I'm like, great, <laughs> something, anything other than Cicada, I'm ready for. And you do not know the disappointment I had when I saw it was just a young or older uh, niece Cicada coming back to be the villain for the, what I assume will be the rest of the season. You do not understand my disappointment. This villain is awful. Um, and as to be fair, maybe what's her name? Cassie? Yeah, or Gracie. Gracie, whatever her name is. Maybe young Gracie will be better than the actor playing her uncle. But that guy is the worst. Those scenes with him and uh, Iris... When Iris was interviewing him, yeah, he looked like he looked like he had gas. <laughs> he looked like he looked like he looked like he had a hernia. <laughs> he's sitting there. He's like, "Why are you asking me these questions?" Like he looked like the most guilty dude of all time. Who saw that person and was like, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with this guy. He's fine." He is weird and weird in a way that's like way over the top. Again, I don't know if it's the direction <laughs> or if it's just the actor, but this has not oh, worked. Boy. He's awful. 
Um, and again, I, I, it's nothing personal against the actor, and it's nothing personal against the show. But those scenes were painful. He's been painful. He was painful in this episode when Flash is trying to convince him the first time, very unconvincingly. Uh, and I thought that was smart. That like, they, I think it was kind of cool that they had him like manufacture like a great response to make him not be Cicada, and Cicada just punched him. Yeah. But like even that was like so cartoony and like him like I don't give a damn about my legacy. It's like why why did they who came up with this? <laughs> I can't stand this guy. And I hope that this was the end of him and to see that they're just gonna give us a female version of the same character. Wow, that was disappointing. Especially with what we got last year with the thinker. What we got just a female version, a man version. Uh, a, a southern girl version, um, old version, young version. Like, we got the same character in five different actors last season for Thinker. And they're doing the same thing with Cicada, basically. I don't know. I, I, I was really hoping, oh, maybe Zoom will finally appear as the villain. We can move on from this Cicada business. And it doesn't seem like we're anywhere close. Seems like we're right back at square one. Yeah, I was honestly I was signing myself when the when the other female cicada showed up and I'm just like, Oh god, what is this? What's and like the power goes out and the female cicada, I'm like, Oh, you gotta be kidding me, you know. I think I think it honestly I think it was probably a collective sigh from most uh, people on the show or people that were hoping the flash even people watching the show that didn't hate Cicada but were hoping the Flash would, would win for once. Yeah. Because he hasn't won once with regards to this guy, um, so so yeah, it was kind of like oh god, I mean come on, you know. And I feel like this is just going to be even worse than that. At least with Cicada, you know, when he was going up against the Metas, he had to use his dagger to like block their attacks or to nullify their attacks. Yeah, this girl she didn't need that. She went up against Flash, <laughs> yeah. Killer Frost, Vibe. He was using regular knives. He was just using knives and just just Double, blocking I everything. Know, I don't know how that was happening. Deflected. Varies lightning bolt just deflected it. I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. She doesn't even need the dagger, and now she has the dagger anyway. What that was about? Yeah, now she can control. Now she can control the dagger anyway. So it's like, and she can, and she has like beams coming out of her arms, but I don't know what those do. So it's just I don't know. I mean, I thought these past these last few episodes were were pretty good. Honestly, I like the girl, the Grod versus King Shark episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought the episode when, uh, um. Uh, XS was getting got stuck in that time loop was good. Ugh. Yeah, that that was and I've seen I've seen mixed reviews for that episode, and it surprised me a little bit because I I enjoyed the heck out of that episode. Yeah, I thought that was a really good episode, honestly. Yeah, I, I was completely invested, and um, you know, some people pointed to like you know her decision making and not telling anyone for so long how well yeah it was frustrating for me too, but I still enjoyed the episode. Yeah, but <laughs> sometimes like sometimes I think we gotta like also think like. This is a kid. Yeah, Access is kind of, like, immature and, yeah, like, kind of not great as you a know. superhero. Like, yeah, I could see her, like, I could see her doing this. As yeah. dumb as it may look, I could see her doing this. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I bought it. I did, too. Um, so I so I very much enjoyed that episode. Um, so I think the, ep- the, the last few episodes have been pretty good. Um, uh, but, you know, this thing with... I feel like they're dragging this Cicada thing out so much, and it's... Um, I don't know. I mean, the Flash is just in a, has been in a slump, you know. <laughs> the Flash has definitely been in a slump lately. Um, 
these past few seasons. Right. I mean, I but like I would agree that I thought that between the Grilla Grad episode and that past episode with XS, and actually I liked parts of even this past episode. Um, I thought that maybe okay they were kind of getting back into form a little bit, and I, I just thought the appearance of that female cicada just like totally wiped out any momentum for me. Mm. For me, I, I was I I thought that was ridiculous. Um, for a character that we just have very little investment in, uh, you know, we we've only we she's been unconscious for almost every episode. Uh, we've gotten to go inside her head, and she's kind of a brat. We realize, which, you know, maybe kind of lends itself to her understanding how she could become a supervillain a little bit, but like, at the same time, like I I don't know I. I, I just thought that that was not that was not a good payoff. I don't, no one no one wanted to see Gracie as a villain. No one was saying, "Oh, we can't wait to see what Gracie turns out to be." Like that was she was such a non-factor in like the in what we thought was the future of the story. That I mean, I I don't know what they thought they were accomplishing by having that ending. Yeah, I didn't. I I they never wanted her to be a villain in the first place. No one, no one so, wanted her to be a villain. So. So I'm I'm getting no payoff from it either. Um, at this point, I'm just waiting. <laughs> it's funny, like I'm, all I'm. I don't really feel when it comes to Cicada. I don't really feel any type of way about him in particular. I don't love him. I don't really hate him. And I'm just like, okay, Cicada's the villain. Let's see. I'm more invested in. It. He's not a good. He's not a particularly good villain. So it's not like Zoom, or uh, or uh, you know Wells slash Thawne or whoever. Where I'm like, okay, this is a good villain. Cicada's just kind of like, okay, Cicada, the the villain that Barry never caught. Quote going, unquote, that's going, how they keep. Sorry, going back to that episode with him and Iris, what also annoyed me was it did not also, to me, destroy his credibility as a villain. That like, he I, he was maced by Iris and like, Iris beat him in a one on one fight. Like, she flat out beat him in a one on one fight. Like I saw that TV, I'm like, and there's no I, look. Iris is dope. I love Iris. I love Candace Patton, but I'm like, what? The main villain you've been trying to bring up as this beast just got beat in a close quarters fight by Iris West, and this person be the villain of the. I almost be I almost be terrified of this villain. Yeah, what was that yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. Like, um. I don't know. And with it, Cicada's powers have been like they've kind of been they well. First of all, a good portion of his abilities have not been explained. I don't know how he's such a good fighter. I don't know how he has super strength. They gave him randomly gave him super strength out of nowhere oh, a little while ago, where he's like knocking guys all over and beat punching through walls and stuff. I'm like, when was he this strong? His ability yeah, just made that, him this yeah, strong. They never explained that. But he just has super strength now. So I'm like, all right. And then he, they gave him the ability to fly, as you saw with the whole thing. And we talked about that a while yeah. ago. He so they just away the first time. Yeah, they had him. Yeah, so, I mean, they're just kind of giving him abilities and not really explaining how it works. Then apparently he was a meta, which I didn't know he was a meta. They just said he was a meta. I'm like, I didn't know he was a meta. I thought it was just his, his thing. But apparently he's a meta, too. So they, they're not really explaining his his anything about him very well. Yeah. You know? So, I don't know. I also missed the part where Gracie was explained to be a meta. 
I don't remember that ever. I mean, I'm sure it happened. I, I don't remember that episode, though. Where we um, decided, oh, Tracy's also a meta. I remember we found out through the episode when, when they were in her head. Oh, okay. And know. she had that thing. Like, at the end, it was revealed that she was a meta. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I don't remember this part of the story, but okay. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm just still waiting for whatever, like, reverse flashes. Whenever, like, he, he his his story or his yeah, me arc, at this like, comes to a head, that's really all I'm waiting for. Yeah, that's what I'm excited for. Like, anything involves Zakata, I have zero interest in. Other than hoping no one, <laughs> he doesn't kill anyone on the show. Besides that, I have no interest in what's going on with him. Yeah, um, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. I'm interested in finding out how they beat him. Though I guess they kind of beat him already. I don't know. Right. But, I mean, did, did he not, did they not beat him? Did he not take the? He didn't. He take the. He took it. Yeah. So he's not. Yeah, he took I, the way I take it. He's not cicada anymore. This girl is cicada. Yeah. This new. This it's girl a is transformation cicada. of villains, and this show has done this before, and we we've expected it, but we did not expect it with just Gracie. We did not. I mean, I, I didn't expect it. I expected nope. it to be a new person. I expected it to probably be, you know, Reverse Flash. Yeah. So, so uh, coming to this point, no, not in. Not that impressed with what they've done. Um, let's wrap up with Arrow, Shamari. Uh, a lot of developments in these episodes. So Diaz is dead. Um, and Miko is working with Dante. We find out who Dante is. What else happened? Um, Diggle's fired. He's not working with the deputies. Yep. Uh, Team Arrow. Yep. Finally got back to their uniforms and their lair. After one stint as and as regular as SCPD, regular SCBD, <laughs> which yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah, it was funny. Um, the story's been moving along okay. None of these episodes I thought were like groundbreaking or with anything crazy happening. Uh, I thought Connor Hawk being Bronze Tiger's son, Tiger's but, son. Uh, was not expected. When he said, "I'm John Diggle's adopted son," I'm like, "What?" Yep. So that tells me that maybe there will be some kind of storyline with uh, with Diggle and Bron Tiger that we haven't gotten to yet. Right. Maybe we'll get to next season. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but I don't know. What did you make of these episodes? Anything stand out to you? I thought I thought these episodes have been um, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, this guy Dante, we've talked about it before. He's, he's completely come out of nowhere. Yeah, his um, appearance so far to me has been a disappointment. He just seems like a... Like, Okay, he's like kind of a good hand-to-hand combat guy. And that's he's, got, he's got knives, I he's, guess. Yeah, he can he can stab people. I don't know. I I don't see what makes him that much different than Diaz yet. Yeah, I feel like he's a new. <laughs> I feel like he's the new Diaz. You know, so we kind of need a backstory for him now to to find out what he's all about. And um, you know, he's just a bigger Diaz. I mean, Diaz is kind of like when Dante finds out about this. Y'all are gonna wish it was just me or whatever. Whatever yeah, he y'all said. Gonna, y'all gonna wish he, you were pleading for mercy. Yeah, like, you know, all like so, which I'm like, all right. So it's just another bigger, better you. So, <laughs> so I mean, at this point, I'm like, all right, you know. So, um, so I don't know. I'm not so so enticed by Dante yet, but I'm I'm liking what I'm seeing from the team. I like I like the whole conflict with uh um with Black Canary and her being the police chief. But also being Black Canary and having to lose her cry. 
yeah, losing her cry and having to, uh, you know, deal with the effects of that. So I thought that storyline was decent. I'm liking these future things more because I feel like we're moving somewhere. We're getting closer to meeting Felicity. We it is meet. going very slow still, though. We're getting, we're getting closer, but it's still yeah. moving very slow. Yeah, yeah, it is slow moving. Is there any chance that this won't be resolved? I kind of feel like it won't be. That's how slow this is going. Nah, it's definitely got to be resolved. This season? This season, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure yeah, about that feeling. You could be right. They've always they've resolved every conflict as far as the future or past conflicts. Or there's only been past conflicts. Yeah. In in other seasons, they've always been. It's just this one again seems to be moving so slow. And then I heard ten episodes next season. And things. Well, I can see how maybe somehow like that that like arc continues into next season, mm. or maybe even the flash forward. Maybe the maybe the whole season is a flash forward. Like who knows? Um. Just because, again, how slow moving we are. It's like, okay, we haven't even seen Felicity yet. Um, we still don't know much about this bomb plot other than that, like, uh, Wild Dog is, like, somehow involved. Yeah. It was crazy how you built the wall around the Glades. Yeah. <laughs> that was a really on-the-nose reference right there. Yeah. That, that, I think, is what Trump thinks is what's happening in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> when he said there's a Antonio. I think that's what he thinks is what is over there. Um I also forgot to mention that Felicity was pregnant, which may be the biggest uh development yeah. of all these things. And that and then and that this young girl yeah, Mia, Smoke. Mia Smoke is the product of this pregnancy. Yep. Interesting she goes by Smoke, yep. not Queen. That can't be good for whatever the future of Felicity and Oliver is to me. Yeah. But who knows? Uh, it doesn't sound like she knew Oliver very well. Nope. So no, uh, almost could, not at all. He even. could be dead or missing. Who knows what his deal is? But it doesn't seem to be very much a factor in this future Smoke's life. To the point where again she didn't even take his name. So I mean that that tells me that could be very imminent. Whatever his situation is as to why right. he's not around or why she doesn't know him very well. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, these were solid episodes. I mean, there was nothing that really jumped out to me from as terms of something really great or really awesome or even really terrible. Uh, I am interested in the Amico turn, potentially. Yeah. Uh, we know she knows Dante. And he's alluding to the fact that now that you earned Oliver Queen's trust, you need to now come home. What that means, I'm not quite sure yet. We do know... Uh, Amico has had, you know, in the comic book, she's had, you know, run-ins with the League of Shadows and her mother was Shadow, who was a villain in the comic book. So, th- some kind of turn was happening, was going to happen at some point. My my issue is, I just, it does feel a little random for who they've, how they've presented her. Like, but they presented her as this woman that's, like, fighting crime and, like, actually trying to help people and trying to then, of course, solve her mother's murder, like, how like all of a sudden this was actually a whole long game. That that I don't know. I, I sometimes you gotta sell people, but then other times I feel like you were writing something and then you just decided to just change it and say, oh well, now she's evil and I'm supposed to like accept that. And I I can't accept really her being evil, based on what they presented. Yeah, it feels very very. Um, it just doesn't feel right. It feels forced. Yeah, it feels completely forced. Um, why would and, this person? And I had, and I had bought into this character, 
like not only in the fact that I was convinced that she was good, but I was invested in that. Yeah. I was like, I like this character. I like that character. <laughs> you know? Um, you know, I don't know if this is going to be, or I wouldn't even really say, I don't know. I, I'm almost, I'm almost certain this won't be an Adrian Chase situation where I enjoyed Adrian Chase as the good guy. Mm-hmm. I thought he was a good, a good character. Um, but I enjoyed him even more as Prometheus. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be that situation. Um, so, so I don't know. I mean, I'm willing to accept, you know, whatever, <laughs> however they plan this out. I mean, we'll see. I don't think, I don't think Amika will turn full heel ever. Well, I think by the end, if, even if she does somehow, I think she'll be redeemed. Do we, first of all, do we think she killed DS? I, I do. Yeah. You do? Yeah. I think she killed DS. I don't know. I think there's something to, like, us not seeing who that person was. I know Bron Tiger is saying that it's her because it was green leather, but even that's still vague. Mm. I mean, she's working for Dante. She's not doing good things. She's working for Dante. Yeah. But, but <laughs> again, know? what they've established, it doesn't make any sense. Like, this is not someone who's acted in any way. They haven't shown us anything to suggest this person was somehow... Like this person has worked out of gone out of way to gone out of her way not to work with Oliver Queen or be even associated with Oliver. Yeah. And now he's saying, Oh, like your plan of getting close to Oliver is not worked. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> like what has she done? She's done everything she's done the opposite in terms of trying to get close to him. How could you now say this was somehow part of her plan? You didn't write that. You didn't write that, Best Swords. <laughs> shout out to your to your new deal, Brett Swords, the showrunner of Arrow. Getting a new multi-year deal with Warner Brothers Television uh, that will go beyond uh, next seasons of Arrow. Next season of Arrow, she's done, and I think she's done a very great job, a uh, good job in this season. But Beth, what's up with that? <laughs> I did not write that. You did not write a character who was who would have been scheming the background. We could kind of see some hints. Of, oh, actually, maybe she's not all. This is someone who's helping people out in the glades, who's been working closely with Renee, who every time Oliver shows up, tells him to get lost. Now all of a sudden, now it's all part of her plan, and that this all worked. Now she's Dante, Dante's goon. That no, nah. <laughs> y'all did not write that. Y'all did not earn that. You and you guys know it. But shout out to you guys. You guys still look good, doing a good job. Um, and shout out to again Schwartz for the new deal. But I think that's it, Shamar. I think that's a good way, to, good way to wrap the show. So thank you guys so much for listening in to the New Generation Hero Talk podcast. Of course, we're we're here every week. With uh, a commentary and analysis on all the latest stories and developments in regards to superhero uh, movie news and television, a uh, television movie news and television news, um, you can catch it every week at the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And tune in. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. We have all new original content on there. Uh, you can also follow us on uh, Facebook, New Generation Media, on Twitter at New Generation Pod, and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Follow Shamar on Instagram and Snapchat, MCChan22. Follow me on Instagram, ActionEJ, and on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart. We'll be back next week once again with more sports talk. I mean, hero talk, I'm sorry. Uh, for Shamari, I'm, Ken, I'm, I'm EJ. Uh, peace. <laughs>